0: What's up everybody, Gen X Dividend Investor here. In this video, I'm going to share four different rankings of what the top technology dividend stocks are. I'll put timestamps in the description of this video if you want to jump to a particular section, though I strongly encourage you to watch this entire video as it's jam-packed with valuable information if you're an investor who's interested in dividends and investing. So ranking number one will be the results of a poll I ran on my free dividend discord that has over 5,500 investors on it, which asks people to vote for their top information technology stocks you can find a link to my Discord in the description of this video. For context, a subscriber on my Discord suggested that I run a series of polls to let people vote on their favorite stocks across each of the 11 sectors, and so far hundreds of votes have been cast, and in this video I'll cover the tech stock results. For the majority of this video, I'll go in-depth on the top 5 voted stocks, and then after that I'll go over the 3 other rankings you'll want to see. Ranking number 2 will be based on which tech stocks have the best overall returns of stock appreciation plus the dividends reinvested over the last 5 years. Ranking number 3 will be based on which tech stocks give you the highest income now. Ranking number 4 will be the best tech valued stocks today, determined primarily via discounted cash flow. In my previous top 5 videos, I only shared the poll results, aka method 1, which gives my Discord subscribers an opportunity to vote for their favorites after they factor in their own personal investing goals and opinions, whether that's based on them favoring dividend safety or total returns or best value or whatever. But for this video, I thought I'd share not only the poll results, but I'd also show you how I'd rank stocks based on distinct goals. And as always, don't take this as investment advice. What I mean is, investing should be a lot more nuanced than watching a video like this and then blindly following it. Instead, I always recommend you do your own research and figure out what investing strategies make sense for yourself based on your financial goals, your risk tolerances, your perception of the strength of the companies you invest in, your belief in their futures, etc. Finally, I'll end this video with a powerful life story that's worth hearing and reflecting on please consider hitting the thumbs up button, subscribing if you haven't yet, and click that bell notification. Also, consider leaving me a comment down below if you like me doing four rankings in videos like this, which ultimately extends the video but gives you more nuanced data, or tell me if you prefer shorter videos with only poll rankings. Okay, let's get started. So the 13 tech stocks that ended up being part of this analysis in alphabetical ticker order were Apple ticker AAPL, Automatic Data Processing ticker ADP, which provides a variety of business services like payroll processing, Applied Materials ticker AMAT, which is a semiconductor company. Broadcom ticker AVGO, which is also a semiconductor company. Cisco ticker CSCO, which is a networking company. Corning ticker GLW, which specializes in high tech glass and advanced optics used in smartphones and monitors and such. International Business Machines ticker IBM. Intel ticker INTC. MasterCard ticker MA. Microsoft ticker MSFT. Texas Instruments, ticker TXN, which is another semiconductor company, Qualcomm, ticker QCOM, yet another semiconductor company, and Visa, ticker V. There are other tech dividend stocks out there, but these were the ones that rose to the top for this analysis based on a variety of factors. So for example, AMD wasn't included as it's not a dividend play, and NVIDIA wasn't included because I had to make a cutoff somewhere, and 0.1% yield was just too low for this particular video, but they're both great tech companies. For reference, the various stock sectors are energy, materials, industrials, consumer discretionary, consumer staples, healthcare, financials, information technology, communication services, utilities, and real estate. Let's look at how the technology sector as a whole has been doing in the last five years compared to other sectors into the S&P 500. We see that over this time frame, the S&P 500 has returned about 78%, whereas the tech sector has been the best performing one at 185%, and the worst has been energy at minus 36%. Okay, let's take a look at a screenshot of the industries in the Global Industry Classification Standards Taxonomy to see how it breaks down information technology. The three main industries that are in IT are, number one, software and services, number two, hardware and equipment, and number three, semiconductors. If you want to invest in the tech sector as a whole, you could consider ticker XLK, which is the Technology Select Sector Spider Fund, which has been around for a little over 20 years. Tech represents about 28% of the S&P 500 and tech is 21.4% of my dividend portfolio but I'm overweight in tech relative to the S&P 500 tech weightings when I added my growth portfolio as well. Using Dividend Channel's total returns drip calculator we see that if you'd invested 22 years ago that XLK has returned an annualized 7.6% which slightly outperforms SPY which has returned 7.05% over the same time frame. Okay let's jump into the number one ranking which is poll results. The fifth most popular tech stock in the poll with 11% of voters is International Business Machines, ticker IBM. IBM is currently in the process of reinventing itself with their new CEO, Arvind Krishna, who is helping IBM take more of a leadership role in AI, quantum computing, blockchain, and now cloud. He was a key player in IBM's $34 billion acquisition of Red Hat. When I think of IBM, I see them as having a lot of great patents and they're making the right moves into cloud and such, but they have a lot of catch-up work to do if they want to be a real cloud competitor to Amazon or Microsoft. Oh, and just for reference sake, the sixth most popular tech stock in the poll with 10% of voters was MasterCard. Okay, IBM currently has a consensus analysis rating of Hold, has an awesome 21 consecutive years of dividend increases, a payout ratio of 73%, a strong 8.63% three-year dividend CAGR, and a beta of 1.22. I'll go over yield and PE and other rankings. Let's see how their stock has done in the last 12 months. Of course, many investors wouldn't look at stock movement and instead would only focus on trends like cash flow over time, debt over time, etc., and then calculate a reasonable price, but i still like to see how the market has been voting on a stock as well. IBM is trading around $127 a share, below the 52-week high of about $159 and above their 52-week low of $90. Let's see how their stock trend looks over a longer period of time. IBM hasn't had very good returns over the last decade, but at least are trending up. Let's look at their dividend payouts. So this trend line helps affirm why some dividend investors love IBM. How about their EPS? We see a gradual increase up. How about their shares outstanding? I like what I see here, a nice decrease down as they buy back their shares. Let's check out how their assets are trending as compared to their liabilities. I don't like to see this. Assets and liabilities are converging rather than staying parallel or going further apart. Something to watch. Let's see how their revenue trends look. Another trend you don't like to see and will be important for IBM to turn around. Let's check out their net income trends. So another decreasing trend that you don't want to see. Let's take a look at price to free cash flow, where new investors normally like to see higher improving free cash flow, but low share prices. And then existing investors generally like to see high and improving free cash flow and increasing share prices. Low price to free cash flow ratios usually mean the stock is undervalued and prices may go up soon. So I like to think that the lower the ratio, the more interesting the stock is to consider taking a position in. Some people feel that price-to-cash flow is a better valuation metric than P.E. because cash flows can't be as easily manipulated as earnings, which are affected by depreciation and other items. Some companies might be unprofitable because of significant non-cash expenses even though they have positive cash flows. Like P.E.s, a good ratio depends on the sector the company is in as well as how mature they are. A new growth company usually trades at a higher ratio than a steady eddy company. So smaller ratios are generally preferred as they may reveal a company that is generating ample cash flows that are not yet properly reflected in the current share price. Holding all factors constant from an investment perspective, a smaller price-to-free cash flow is preferred over a larger multiple. And looking at IBM's crazy low price-to-free cash flow is why one could argue that IBM is becoming more compelling, though you need to temper that enthusiasm a bit given some of their poor metric trends. Let's check out their debt. So they seem to be following a common trend that we see in many companies these days, which is going deeper into debt. Not a bad thing if you can help accelerate growth, but I'm still not a fan. Okay, let's move on. The fourth most popular stock in the poll with 12% of voters is Intel, ticker INTC. Intel's had a rough year. They had some weak execution leading to delays on the production line. Rivals like AMD and Nvidia have been grabbing market share, and Apple is building some of their own chips now. They currently have a consensus analyst rating of Hold, have six consecutive years of dividend increases, have a nice and low payout ratio of 25%, a healthy 6.96% dividend CAGR, and a 0.82 beta. Let's see how their stock has done in the last 12 months. Intel is trading around $50 a share, below the 52-week high of about $69, and above their 52-week low of $43. Intel has not had a great year. Let's see how their stock trend looks over a longer period of time. Intel has had a better long-term stock trend than IBM, other than this latest year which isn't yet reflected. Let's look at their dividend payouts. Intel has a nice trend here, though not as nice as IBM's. How about their EPS? Here we see a much nicer trend for Intel over IBM. How about their shares outstanding? Here we can see that Intel's trend isn't as nice as IBM's, and IBM's has a lower base. Let's check how their assets are trending as compared to their liabilities. So we see a much nicer trend line for Intel where their assets are outpacing their liabilities, as we would like to see. Let's see how their revenue trend looks. Again, Intel's a much nicer trend than IBM here let's take a look at net income trends. So again, we see a much nicer increasing earnings trend line for Intel. Let's check out price to free cash flow. Here we see a nice low price to free cash flow for Intel, but not as good as IBM's. Let's check out their debt. So an even more aggressive debt trend than IBM's, although less overall debt. Okay, before we move on to number three in the poll, I thought I'd mention that you're seeing some data that is from my best dividend stock spreadsheet portfolio tracker 2.0. My 2.0 product has a powerful spreadsheet tracker, which does all the standard things you normally see in a stock trader, but I've also added a bunch of valuable tools in it, and one of them is called the Stock Comparison Tool, which lets you quickly and visually compare key business metrics between tickers. So if I put in Coke and Pepsi into the tool, you see that it first shows you a description of each one, and below that you see a bunch of useful information that I'm using in this video. It highlights the better metric between the two companies in green, and then it puts the lower comparison metric in yellow, or leaves them unhighlighted in gray if they are the same. So in this case, we see that Coke has 58 consecutive years of dividend increases, so it's highlighted in green, versus Pepsi, which has 48 consecutive years, so it's in yellow. Then if you scroll down, you see a ton of awesome trend information that I use in some of my videos, like dividend payout trends, dividend yield trends, quarterly EPS trends, shares outstanding trends, asset versus liabilities trends, revenue trends, profit trends, price to free cash flow trends, and debt trends. If you're interested in getting your hands on my spreadsheet, then watch my video called Best Dividend Stock Spreadsheet Portfolio Tracker 2.0, which will show you all of its features, as well as explain how you can gain access by signing up as a Patreon aristocrat or king. Okay, the third most popular tech stock in the poll is a tie at 16% of votes, and so I'll just count both as number three rather than having a top six. Those two stocks are Visa, ticker V, and Cisco, ticker CSCO. Visa has been one of those awesome performing large cap stocks which never seems cheap. This year, Visa has been impacted by the pandemic, with things like international travel dragging down credit card swipes. But stay-at-home spending has helped them due to e-commerce trends. They currently have a consensus analyst rating of buy, have 12 consecutive years of dividend increases, a nice low 23% payout ratio, an insane 20% dividend CAGR and a 0.93 beta. Now let's look at the other stock tied at number three in the poll, which is Cisco, which is an interesting stock at a reasonable valuation that had a hard year but have recovered well in the last couple months. Their core business areas have some concerns in my opinion, but management seems to be taking them towards better profitability, which could send them higher. Much of the revenue comes from networking hardware and switches and routers and such, and they are still the market leaders, but of course, competitors are coming on strong, and the pandemic has caused some slowdowns in data center upgrades, which ultimately then hits Cisco's top and bottom lines. Cisco currently has a consensus analyst rating of HOLD, have 9 consecutive years of dividend increases, a 57% payout ratio, a great 13% dividend CAGR, and a 1 beta. Let's see how Visa and then Cisco stock has done in the last 12 months. Visa is trading around $208 a share, below the 52-week high of about $217 and above their 52-week low of $134. Cisco is trading around $45 a share, below the 52-week high of about $50 and above their 52-week low of $32. So this has been a lost year for Cisco stock. Let's see how Visa and Cisco stock trends look over longer periods of time. Visa has a very powerful stock return over the last decade and Cisco's has been more muted. Let's look at both their dividend payouts. Okay, so Visa's dividend payout history here is surprising to me with this apparent cut in 2015, because we saw that Visa should have a 12-year history of consecutive dividend increases. So the first thing I like to do when something like this happens is to check Splithistory.com to see if a stock split happened. And sure enough, we see that in 2015 they did a 4-for-1 stock split, which explains why the dividend history looks like there was a large dip. Let's look at Cisco's dividend payout history. Cisco's history looks nice and strong, second only to Visa's CAGR so far. How about both of their EPSs? So it looks like Visa has the best EPS trend of the bunch. Awesome. Cisco's EPS trend looks okay, slightly better than IBM's, but nothing as powerful as Visa's. How about their shares outstanding? Again, we see that Visa has the best trend of the bunch, and Cisco's is decent. Let's check how assets are trending as compared to liabilities. Once again, Visa has the best trend lines. And these metrics help paint the picture why Visa always seems spendy to me people pay for quality, which drives share prices up. Cisco's a good trend line here of assets increasing faster than liabilities as well, just not as powerful as Visa's. Let's see how revenue trends look. Again, Visa's showing you why it's such an amazing company. Look at that steep revenue trend. Cisco's also increasing, though at a lower rate. Let's take a look at earnings trends. Once again, Visa's climbing faster than the others, and Cisco's is barely increasing. Let's check out price-to-free cash flow. Visa's price to free cash flow is improving, but still nowhere as compelling as Cisco, which is second only to IBM. Let's check out their debt trends. Visa has a compelling debt profile showing relatively low debt that is decreasing in the last couple of years. Cisco also has a nice debt trend, and it's relatively low and decreasing lately. Note that this data I'm showing you doesn't yet have all of 2020 in it yet, as that data hasn't been finalized. Okay, the second most popular tech stock in the poll with 27% of voters was Microsoft, ticker MSFT, which also happens to be my second largest position in my dividend portfolio by market value. Microsoft is my favorite dividend tech growth stock out there, and I see nice growth possibilities across many of their divisions, including Cloud, where they are number two in the world behind Amazon, and in their Xbox gaming division, where they also kick ass. They are also heavy into AI and quantum computing and a slew of other areas. It's hard to find a company that could be called both a growth stock and a dividend stock, but Microsoft is one of them. They currently have a consensus analyst rating of buy, have 17 consecutive years of dividend increases, a nice low 32% payout ratio, a good 10% dividend CAGR, and a 0.93 beta. I always encourage people to look beyond starting yield when investing, or they could be scared away from amazing companies like Microsoft. But people have different goals, so I can respect that. Let's see how their stock has done in the last 12 months. Microsoft is trading around $211 a share, below the 52-week high of about $233 and above the 52-week low of $133. Let's see how the stock trend looks over a longer period of time. Microsoft was moving sideways for a few years and then exploded up in the last few. Let's look at their dividend payouts. Microsoft has a nice trend here, consistently increasing their dividend by around 10% a year. How about their EPS? Microsoft has nice earnings per share growth, especially in the last few years. How about their shares outstanding? Microsoft has a great consistent trend of buying back shares, though less aggressively than Visa. Let's check out how their assets are trending as compared to their liabilities. Check. Microsoft's assets are growing faster than their liabilities, as we would like to see. Let's see how their revenue trend looks. Microsoft looks great here, similar to Visa in terms of slope, though Microsoft has multiple times more revenue, so very impressive that they can keep increasing from such a large base. All of this stuff about technology and computers in the future makes me think that maybe it's good to invest in tech companies. Nah, that's crazy talk. Let's take a look at their earnings trends. As expected we see that Microsoft is trending nicely and most recently has been outperforming their previous trends. Awesome. Let's check out price to free cash flow. So Microsoft has a higher price to free cash flow as compared to most others but not terribly so. Let's check out their debt. Microsoft has a compelling debt profile like Visa as it's not too high relative to their revenue and earnings trends and they are now bringing it back down in the last few years. Okay let's move on. The number one most popular dividend stock in the poll with an insane 53% of voters, which is almost double what Microsoft had, and that's Apple, ticker AAPL, which is my largest position in my dividend portfolio by market value. My love with Apple started when I was just a kid who loved to play computer games on Apple II computers, which is also the system I learned programming on. That being said, I don't see the same growth potential for Apple right now like I do for Microsoft, as I'm not seeing enough net new Apple innovation these days. Yes, they have growth in wearables and in services and such, but their big bread and butter is still the smartphone, which is an awesome steady eddy cash generator, but isn't realistically going to be able to sustain the same market penetration growth they previously had. So while I think they will be an incredible dividend stock for generations to come, I'd still like to see more growth. That being said, I'd never count out the company, which has had arguably some of the best innovation this century has seen. And worst case, they can always just use their massive war chest of cash and buy innovative companies that are synergistic. They currently have a consensus analyst rating of buy, have 9 consecutive years of dividend increases, which is low for me, have an amazing 24% payout ratio, a nice 10% dividend CAGR, and a 1.18 beta. Let's see how their stock has done in the last 12 months. Apple is trading around $123 a share, below the 52-week high of about 138 and above their 52-week low of $53. let us see how their stock trend looks over a longer period of time. Apple has been meteoric for over a decade, though the last two years have been extreme talk about a Viagra stock. Let's look at their dividend payouts. So that drop you see around 2014 was due to an insane 7 for 1 dividend split, and then again in 2020 they did a 4 for 1 split, but that's not yet reflected here as I don't have all 2020 data in yet. How about their EPS? Apple has a crazy good EPS trend, similar to Visa. How about their shares outstanding? Apple has been buying back their shares, but I want more. Come on Tim, press that buyback accelerator down. I'm kidding. Do that and Mr. Man might even get more aggressive coming after you. Though it would be funny if you dumped $100 billion into buying back your shares. Imagine the spike in prices. Okay, let's check out how their assets are trending as compared to their liabilities. Nice, Apple's assets are growing much faster than their liabilities, as we would like to see. Let's see how their revenue trend looks. Apple looks very nice here, though you can see they're tapering off. Let's look at their earnings trends. Look at those absolutely monstrous Apple profits. Them and Microsoft are in a league of their own. Let's check out price to free cash flow. So Apple doesn't look too bad, though the spike in price in the last couple years has hurt their price to cash flow metric. Let's check out their debt. Apple has a good debt profile like Microsoft and similarly are bringing down their debt in the last few years. Okay, that was ranking number one of the top tech dividend stocks based on the voting on my Discord. You actually got a surprise top six instead of top five. Now I'm going to show you ranking number two which is what are the top five tech dividend stocks if you just wanted to know what had the most stock appreciation plus dividends reinvested over the last five years. So number five is Applied Materials which has had a five-year total return of 295% which is about triple what the S&P 500 return in the same time period. Number four is MasterCard with an awesome five-year total return of 313%. Number three is virtually a tie between two companies so they are both number two so to speak. So we have Apple Computer with an astounding five-year total return of 399.6%, which is about 5x the return of the S&P 500. And we have Broadcom with a five-year total return of 399.7%. And then the number one best returning dividend tech stock is Microsoft with a five-year total return of 420%. Wells. Okay, on to ranking number three, which is how about if we wanted the top five tech dividend stocks based on yield now, i.e. how much income they could be giving you. Number 5 in the list is Texas Instruments with a low yield of 2.51%. It's hard to find great yield in decent tech dividend stocks. Number 4 in the list is Intel with a slightly higher 2.64%. Number 3 in the list is Broadcom with a slightly better 3.12% yield. Number 2 in this ranking is Cisco with 3.22% yield, getting respectable. And finally, the highest dividend yield amongst what are arguably the better tech dividend stocks is none other than Old Blue, IBM with an outstanding 5.14% yield. As always, you don't want to chase yield, but if you need income now and are looking for representation from the technology sector, then these are some stocks you might want to consider. Okay, now I'm going to show you ranking number four, which is what are the best values, aka most underpriced dividend stocks, based primarily on a simple discounted cash flow. I'll just do the top three because this video is running too long. Now, the price to cash flow numbers I previously showed you could also be used in this section of the video, but instead I'll just share some other metrics that are useful when valuing a company. Note, the whole stock market is too spendy in my opinion, based on almost any metric you look at. Which means you either don't invest, or you look to invest in individual stocks that may be underpriced, or you just keep DCAing in knowing that you may be overpaying. Let's take VU. Since most of the market is overpriced, then if you're DCAing into Vu, you're probably overpaying. Should you stop? I think no, but that really depends on your own risk tolerances and your time frames and belief in the future. It also depends on your personality. For example, if you're someone who, like Mr. Ramsey says, tends to spend money on crap you don't need to impress people you don't like then it might be better to focus on investing in things, even if they're too spendy. Or to quote Fight Club, if you're someone who works at a job they hate so you can buy shit you don't need, then change your mindset and become an investor rather than a consumer. And if you haven't seen Fight Club, then I recommend you stop watching my video right now and go watch that instead. Or maybe you prefer the simplicity to just keep investing into VU regardless of the market is hot or cold. That strategy can work too over the long run, assuming the market keeps trending up over long periods of time, like I think it will. One metric of many that can be useful to look at when starting to value a company is PE. I like to look at PE, but you can't look at it blindly. The current average PE of the S&P 500 is something insane like 37, and for the tech sector it's even higher at around a 50 average. And of course, some industries in tech are above that average, like computer hardware, and some are lower, like computer networks. So when you look at PE as another input into your analysis, remember how nuanced it can be. Comparing a PE in one industry to a PE in another industry may not make sense. A way to help you determine the intrinsic value of a company is via discounted cash flow analysis. I've actually built a simple discounted cash flow calculator into my 2.0 spreadsheet product, but like any automatic DCF calculator, it's not perfect nor a replacement for a rigorous analysis. And you need to know there are times when a DCF isn't ideal. For example, if a company's discounted free cash flow isn't in line with its profitability, then a DCF might not make sense. Just like if they don't have positive free cash flow, then again, a DCF might not make sense. So for IPOs and such, you tend not to use DCFs. A DCF isn't always ideal if the company has a very high payout ratio, i.e. if it might not be able to sustain its dividend for far into the future. Companies that are better for DCFs tend to be big blue-chip companies, which is normally what I like to invest in. Some people like to calculate the intrinsic value of a company to determine if they want to invest in it because it's a logical way to compare the relative attractiveness of businesses, to summarize Mr. Buffett. So a DCF attempts to calculate what the value is today of all expected future free cash flows of a business. My DCF calculator used cash flows of a company from the last few years along with how many shares outstanding company has. And then you can optionally put in parameters for your expectations of cash flow growth multiple years into the future, including input perpetuity, all of which are then used to estimate out present values and ultimately a terminal value. You can also put in a weighted cost of capital as a parameter, which it uses too for its discount rate, as well as you can input in your required rate of return. The more conservative you are with your inputs, the less aggressive the numbers are, which is generally smart to do. And remember, the final value it spits out is very dependent on the input parameters you put in. So what makes sense to me might be radically different than what makes sense for you, which is why the price I'm going to show you wouldn't be the same price you would probably come up with if you were factoring in your required rate of return or what you think the future cash flow growth numbers might look like, etc. You might also want to take the final number and apply an additional margin of safety to make it even more conservative. Either way, I'd recommend you always do your own DCF rather than blindly follow a calculator or what I share. So now with that behind us let's look at the results. Number 3 on the list is Cisco who is at an 18PE. We see that my automated DCF with my input parameters puts them at a fair stock price of 67 bucks. so Cisco's current stock price of 44 gives me a healthy 51% margin of safety. They are looking decently tasty to me. Number 2 on the list would be Intel and I personally think it's a pretty compelling price. Remember they are under a crazy low 10PE. Here we see that Intel is currently around $50 a share, but my DCF puts its fair value for me at around $78, so a healthy 57% margin of safety. Finally, number one in this ranking list is IBM at its low 14 PE. IBM is around $126 a share, and my automated DCF says it's worth a hefty $266 a share, saying that it's the best deal of the bunch. That all being said, again I want to stress that you can't just look at an automated DCF and assume it's accurate or it makes sense as an investment, which is why I like to dig into other metrics and trends and understand nuances of business strategy and such. So as always, don't take this as financial advice and you need to do your own research if you feel any companies have the characteristics that you look for in an investment. I'm not investing in any of these at these time, though if I did I'd personally orient more towards Intel and Cisco than IBM. Okay, now before my inspirational story, I want to do a shout out to my latest Patreon aristocrats who just signed up. So thank yous go out to Rick California, thank you to Narwhal Ninja, thank you to Depcor, and thank you to Will L. As an aristocrat, they gain access to my new Dividend Spreadsheet 2.0 product and to multiple private channels on my Discord, including one where I let people watch my videos before I release them to the public, as well as vote on some thumbnails I use in my videos. Now I'm going to tell you a brief inspirational story I found online that is worth hearing and reflecting on. Once there was an older man named Heartland who was broke, living in a tiny house, and who owned a beat-up car. His entire income came from $99 social security checks. At 65 years of age, Hartland decided things had to change in his life. So he thought about what skills he had and what he was passionate about. The one thing he realized was that his friends loved his home-cooked chicken. So he decided that was how he was going to make a change. He traveled to restaurants and told the owners that he had a mouth-watering chicken recipe for sale. When that failed, he offered the recipe for free, just asking for a small percentage of sales. But he was told no over and over in all the restaurants in the city heartland didn't give up he went further out traveling to all the restaurants in his home state still he had no success so then he traveled to other states he kept getting rejected 1009 times to be exact think about that over 1000 rejections but on the 1,010th time he finally heard his first yes with that one yes colonel heartland sanders changed the way americans eat chicken kentucky fried chicken popularly known as kfc was born moral of the story never give up and always believe in yourself in spite of rejection. I don't know about you, but I love me some KFC. Thank you so much for watching all the way to the end. Please leave me a comment down below if you like me doing four rankings in videos like this, which ultimately extends the video but gives you more nuanced data, or tell me if you prefer shorter videos with only poll rankings. These videos take a lot of time and energy for me to create, so please consider hitting the thumbs up button, subscribing if you haven't yet, and click that bell notification. If you'd like to directly support me in my message, then consider signing up on Patreon.com, which enables you to a variety of benefits. Also, I have an M1 brokerage referral link in the description of this video. They normally run free cash promotions if you click on a link and then open a non-retirement account and transfer some cash in. Finally, a simple way you can consider supporting me is by clicking on my Amazon affiliate link in the description of this video and then go shopping online. As an Amazon associate, I earn from qualifying purchases. Also, please join my Dividend Discord server and come chat with me and thousands of other investors. Thanks, and I'll talk to you again real soon. I am not a financial advisor, and these videos are for entertainment, inspiration, and educational purposes only. Investing of any kind involves risk. I am only sharing my opinion with no guarantee of gains or losses on investments.